Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are going to be in Matthew chapter 24 today, which uh, is called the Olivet Discourse. This is uh, what Jesus said concerning uh, the last days. Amen. So let's go ahead and pray and we'll get right into the word of God. Father, we bless you today. We thank you in Jesus name for your word. Now, Lord, help us to accurately interpret your word and Father God for for you to bless the speaking of the word as well as the hearing of the word. And we'll give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, we're in Matthew chapter 24. And Matthew chapters 24 and 25 are called the Olivet Discourse. And uh, this, uh, these two chapters form the teaching, the primary teaching that Jesus uh, gave to his disciples concerning the last days and of his second coming. And so the Olivet Discourse, it was given uh, by the Lord Jesus as a result of questions that the disciples had asked Jesus when he was walking out of the temple and how, and we'll read this uh, in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the first three verses of, of Matthew, uh, when they remarked the beauty of the temple and Jesus said all these things, this temple is going to be thrown down, there not be one stone left upon another. And so the three questions that the disciples asked him is, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus not only answers uh, these questions concerning the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D., he also, in the same manner, talks to the disciples about the things that are going to take place at the end of days. And we're we're speaking of the great tribulation. And so what Jesus says in chapters 24 and 25 coincide with what Paul said and also coincide with what the Apostle John uh, recorded on the Isle of Patmos. And so this is how we know that Scripture is inspired of God when you have all three of these writers of the New Testament speaking of the same event and they all coincide with one another. So let's go ahead and pray. I mean, let's go ahead and, and look at the scriptures here, uh, beginning in Matthew 24, verses 1 through 3. Now, this is Jesus answering the three questions posed to him by the disciples. Uh, verse 1 says this, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? So here's the three questions. When shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the age? Now, some interpret Matthew 24 saying that Jesus was asked two questions. No, he wasn't asked two. He was asked three. And so he chronologically answers these three questions. But he does it 
and a way of using a double reference, both speaking to the disciples of the coming destruction of Jerusalem and also speaking to the disciples about the end of days, the great tribulation period. So we're going to look in Matthew's record of the Olivet Discourse, and we're going to also be viewing the Lord's foresight of the events leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem. And so we must understand that the Lord Jesus, when he's speaking of the future destruction of Jerusalem and the temple, he is also in the same words speaking of the great tribulation period that which, uh, you know, um, uh, the Old Testament prophets called the time of Jacob's trouble, Jeremiah. And we'll see that uh, what Jesus said is uh, recorded. Actually, the, the events that Jesus is talking about is recorded by Flavius Josephus in the War of the Jews. Uh, he described the total destruction of the city of Jerusalem. And it's remarkable how the things that Josephus records are the, some of the very things that Jesus spoke to the disciples of what will take place, not the following week, but 38 years into the future. And so verses four and five says this, and Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Now, Josephus records this. He records that there were those in the time uh, of uh, the destruction of Jerusalem, false messiahs, those who claimed to be Christ, and they led many astray. And can you think of it? I mean, here are just ordinary Jewish people. They're not bad people. They're good people. Uh, they work hard, they take care of their families, and they're just obeying uh, the Old Testament command uh, to go to Jerusalem to observe the Feast of Passover. And so here they come with uh, lots of joy. Uh, they hear of rumors of war, but uh, it doesn't bother them because they're going to the city of God. And the Jews felt like that if there was any place on the face of the earth that God would protect, it would be Jerusalem. And so here they come, they make the journey into Jerusalem, and then here shows up Titus and his Roman legions and the doors and gates of Jerusalem are shut and these people are shut in and they can't get out. You can imagine uh, the panic. You can imagine the fear. We're talking about innocent families. We're talking about the, the father and the mother and all the children and, and, the, and all of the family relations, the, the, the grandmothers and the grandfathers, the aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters. They're all locked in the city of Jerusalem and they can't get out. And so these false messiahs, they begin to lead men out into the desert places in secret, thinking that uh, as long as we follow this Messiah, we'll be safe, we'll be all right. But they get, they get outside the walls of Jerusalem, they get caught by the Romans, and they're all put to death. And see, we see uh, the similar thing Jesus speaking of, and also uh, the, the writers of the New Testament speaking of at the end of the church age. There'll be many throughout the church age that claim to be Messiah. The man of sin himself will appear to be the Messiah. And he's going to deceive the entire world. We know that in the writings of the book of Revelation and also in the writings of Paul. Uh, he'll have on a peaceful disguise. 
How have we seen that in the past? Hitler appeared to the Germans to be a very peaceful person, but uh, there was war in his heart. Uh, There was Satan in his heart. And we see how the nation of Germany wound up. And of course, in these end times, the unbelieving Jews, uh, they'll embrace uh, this man of sin. They'll embrace him for half of the tribulation period. But in the middle of it, the Antichrist, he's going to reveal his true demonic nature. And the nation of Israel then will be plunged into the darkest time of its history, even darker than what they experienced in Nazi Germany. So it's important for us to note these things. It's important for us to note that Jesus was speaking of the destruction of uh, Jerusalem in 70 A.D., but he's also speaking a warning, a warning to us today, generations after the destruction of Jerusalem, almost uh, 2,000 years after the destruction of Jerusalem, that there's coming a future event called the Great Tribulation. And it's prophetic in nature, but If the first coming of Jesus that was prophesied came to pass, the second coming of Jesus as prophesied will also come to pass. Amen. Praise God. Now, we hold to the premillennial pre-tribulation rapture of the church. And I feel like that's the only way to accurately begin to interpret the scriptures. And we also know that before the great tribulation begins, the church is going to be taken out. And we know that from the teachings of Christ. We know that from the teachings of the apostles. Now, there is something that Paul said. He said, give none offense, neither to the Gentiles, neither to the Jew, nor to the church of God. And we know it's just logical that a a Gentile cannot be born a Jew. The Jew cannot be born a Gentile. But both Jew and Gentile can be born into the kingdom of God, into the church of God. Hallelujah. That's what the church is made up of. It's made up of saved Gentiles and saved Jews. And if you're uh, within the sound of my voice and you're a born again child of God, you might be a Gentile or you might be a a, a Jew by race. But actually, what you are is a member of the church of God. Hallelujah. Amen. You're part of this group called the new man, called the church. And of course, we know that in the writings of Paul in the book of Ephesians chapter three, he talks about how that God has taken the Jew and the Gentile and made them one man, one new man. And that one new man is called the church. But you have to be saved to be a member of the church. And if you're listening to this broadcast and you've never made Jesus Christ your Savior and Lord, you need to do so now. Because if Peter prophesied 2,000 years ago that this is that which the prophet Joel spake concerning the last days, if the last days were in were 2,000 years ago, how much further along are we are today? So if you care about your soul, you'll give it to Jesus. Amen. Praise God. That is something that God gave you that is of eternal value. Don't waste it. All right, now verse 6. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now, these happenings, they're not new to us. We've experienced warfare 
I've been I've been on this on the face of this earth since 1950. I was born during the Korean War. I became very aware of the war in Vietnam. We've had wars in the Middle East. We've had war after war after war after war after war. We are very familiar and we are very experienced because warfare that that actually has been caused by man's sinful pride and of his lust and his violence for centuries. And we're going to have more wars, destruction and death. It was true back then in 70 A.D. and it's true with us today. And the key to remember this is what Jesus is describing. He's describing events that happened in 70 A.D., prophesying 38 years in the future, and also events that are going to happen in our time that are still yet in the future. Now, verses 7 and 8 say this, For, the, for nations shall rise against nation, and kingdoms against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places, all these are the beginning of sorrows. In other words, they are the beginning of the birth pangs that lead to the end. And the historian Josephus, he cataloged the Roman conquest in Palestine. They, they, had to, they had to defeat village and town, defeat them, defeat the armies that were there and the men there to defend their towns. They defeated each and all of these villages and all of these towns in order to get to Jerusalem. It's described like this. Uh, you have a big sequoia tree, one of those huge trees that, uh, I mean, they're so, they're so wide you have to drive a car around them almost to get around the, the full circumference of these trees. Well, in order for lumberjacks uh, to cut down those trees, they had to cut down all the smaller trees growing around it. And that's exactly what the Roman armies under Titus did. They defeated all of these small towns, these small villages, the forts and the towns that were secure in order for them to get to Jerusalem. And uh, so in, in, uh, in Josephus' record, he said that many cities and towns and villages were captured. They were destroyed by the Roman legions and they, for the purpose that they were moved to cut off to encircle the city. And in one of these cities, Josephus, he was in charge with defending the city. And he and the Jews initially put up a valiant fight. But Josephus realized that he could not fight against uh, and withstand the might of the Roman Empire and the Roman army. So he surrendered, but he surrendered honorably. He surrendered in such a way that the general Titus because of the way Josephus surrendered, he was given the liberty as a captive and was allowed to record all the events which took place over this period of time leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem. And of course, we have his writings preserved today. And they're preserved today because it gives, uh, I want to say this, I don't mean this uh, in, 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 in the way that it may be intended. It gives credence to the prophecies that Jesus said. Now, I'm not saying that Josephus, the writings of Josephus, Josephus are more important than the word of God, but it confirms what Jesus said concerning the destruction of Jerusalem and also of the time to come, uh, which we know is the great tribulation. So uh, within this context, Jesus is speaking of the time of the apocalypse that's going to take place at the end of the tribulation period. 
the events that took place in the destruction of Jerusalem, there also will be events in the future that will take place concerning uh, the end of the age. And we'll get to that later. Now, in Revelation chapter six, with the breaking of the first four seals, we see the events that Jesus that John recorded are similar to the events that Jesus is speaking of concerning the destruction of Jerusalem and of the end of the age. Amen. All right. Now, let's look at persecution and betrayal. This is found in verses nine through twelve. Verse nine says, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And so when we look back through history, we see the fulfilling of this part of Christ's prophecy. We see the Jews that were slaughtered by Nazi Germany and continued to be slaughtered by European nations. The murdering of Jews did not end when, when Germany surrendered. European nations continued to slaughter Jews. I mean, we're talking about wiping out entire villages, entire families of people. And so the Jews and Christians have been butchered throughout church history. As a matter of fact, more Christians have been martyred on a regular basis than at any time in our past. Christians are being uh, martyred today all over the world. And we see also the anti-Semitism is on the rise in this century that we're living in. This 21st century. And the Israeli Jews are not they're not safe in their own country. They're being murdered and they're being hated by their arch enemies, the Muslim, by the Muslim extremists and also other hate groups. And they just hate Jews because they blame the Jews for all the world, that all the wrong that's in the world today. Now, from 1933 to 1945, Germany killed one half of the Jewish race upon the earth, six million. But what people don't often talk about is that along with the six million Jews, Nazi Germany is credited with killing over 12 million Christians and other uh, other people groups, gypsies and things of that nature. So this is not new. And this is going to continue to happen, not only in the day that we're living in now, but in the future. And then verse 10, Jesus says this, and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And of course, throughout history, and especially when we're talking about the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, uh, many Jews turned on their own people in order to save their own skin. We see that in the Second World War. And they did that so that their suffering would be made easier. That's that's the nature of fallen man. And we see throughout the ages and throughout uh, in this uh, leading all the way up to the present day, we've seen Christians turn on other Christians. Those Christians that were working in the underground to save people, to save Jews, uh, the Christians would turn these people in. And of course, you know, they would die in the death camps. Many would turn on their neighbors and leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem. Because of the fear of the authorities or because of hatred. They willingly, willingly did this to save their own skins. And of course, they did weren't familiar, not being believers, they weren't familiar with what Jesus says. He who seeks to save his life shall lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake shall find it. 
So these that sought to save themselves by uh, tr- turning on their neighbors, turning on their friends, if they did not repent in this life, they wound up losing their own lives. And then verses 11, 12 says, And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. We see this. We see this in the world today as well as we see it in the uh, time that Jesus was speaking of concerning the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. But verse 13, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Amen. Praise God. So we're called to endure. No matter what's going on in the world, we have to remain true to Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. So Josephus account of the war of the wars of the Jews. uh, He describes whole families concerning uh, what we just read here. uh, These last few verses, whole families found by the Romans dead of famine and pestilence once they broke into the city of Jerusalem. And also Josephus records zealots, terrorists, those that hated Rome, those that had nothing in their heart but murder, that they, they're the ones that instigated rebellion that led to the destruction of Jerusalem. They would murder their own countrymen, even women and children. They forced many to submit to their own will that wanted to go over the walls and give themselves up to the Roman armies. And the love, their love had waxed cold. Here here they are, Jews killing and betraying one another, whole families being butchered for trying to escape to the Romans, and the zealots themselves stealing what little food the starving Jews had and the starving families had, and leaving them to die of famine and disease. And I don't see how it's any different than it is today, and especially leading up to the Great Tribulation period. The love of many will wax cold. Neighbors are going to turn other neighbors in who have become, during the tribulation, get saved, accept Jesus as Savior and Lord. They're going to be turned in by their own name, by their own family. In Nazi Germany, children turned their parents in to to the Nazis. But now here's an interesting fact, and that Josephus does not mention any Christians being slaughtered during the siege of Jerusalem. And that's because Eusebius records that during this time of the siege of Jerusalem, before uh The the Roman armies surrounded the city. Christians heeded the warning of Matthew and the gospel, and they escaped to Pella. They got away where the Roman armies wouldn't include them in their massacre. massacre. There's no mention of Christians being slaughtered along with the Jews. And so the words of Jesus are important for us today. There are going to be many, many thousands, hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of, of people, both Gentiles and Jews, uh, who will be saved during the tribulation period. And many of these are going to be caught and they're going to be executed. They're going to be beheaded. Now, what's the popular form of execution in the world today by the Muslims? 
is having the heads of their victims cut off. And we've seen that displayed on television. Now, Roman, uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Jesus, in this verse, he's speaking of the precursor to judgment upon Jews that took place 30 years after he prophesied this. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Well, not only was this verse of Scripture fulfilled in the first century, it's also being fulfilled today. Paul said this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 23, and I'm reading this out of the today's English version translation of the Bible. You must, of course, continue faithful on a firm and sure foundation and must not allow yourselves to be shaken from the hope you gained when you heard the gospel. It is of this gospel that I, Paul, became a servant and this gospel which has been preached to everybody in the world. Notice has been, past tense, has been preached to everybody in the world. Now, God suffered long with the rebellious house of Israel. He held back the destruction of Jerusalem for 38 years to, to give the Jewish nation to repent, but they would not repent. Now, we also need to understand that when Paul says the world in the last part of the 23rd verse is translated from the Greek te okumene, which with the definite article means the inhabited earth. And this world, this word, inhabited earth, okumene, in the context in which Paul used it, would be speaking of the Roman Empire. Because, you know, it's logical. Nobody knew that there was any type of civilization west of Europe across the Great Sea. So Paul's statement to the Colossians meant the whole Roman Empire, and that's exactly uh, the, the meaning here when, uh, when Jesus says that, that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world, amen, speaking of the Roman Empire, but speaking of the Roman Empire around the time of 70 AD, but also of our time and of the time to come. Amen, praise God. This gospel is still being preached. Hallelujah. Amen. And of course, we have, uh, you know, other cooperating evidence in the scriptures. Mark records this. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believed and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. This, this, this was not just a word that Jesus preached for that generation, but for all generations leading up to the rapture of the church and even beyond the rapture of the church during the trib great tribulation period. Luke records this, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And then John, once again, then said Jesus unto them, peace be unto you, as my father hath sent me, so I have sent you. Now, believers, Christ has sent you. He has sent me. He has sent us into the world to do what? To preach the gospel. 
Amen. To be a witness of the gospel. And the greatest tool that we can use to witness is our testimony of how that we came to Christ. Amen. Praise God. And that's what he wants to do. And if you're listening to the sound of my voice and you haven't done that, do it now. Begin now. Redeem the time now. Get your testimony out. Share your testimony with other people. Support the gospel ministry. Support those who preach the gospel. Because when you do that, every soul that they get saved will be credited also to your account. Remember, the time is short. We have got to get the gospel out to as many people as we possibly can. Zechariah said this, ask ye of the Lord rain and the time of the latter rain and God shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain and to everyone grass in the field. Let's go forth to make bright clouds and let's pray God give them showers of rain so that all men, all churches, all believers can reap the harvest. Praise God. God bless you. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.